Welcome, truth seekers all across the fruited plain. I'm your host, Kim S. Anderson, bringing you Civics Made Simple. Hashtag we are exceptional. These are bite-sized civics lessons designed for you to take and share wherever you go. These are important times. Times that American citizens like you and me need to know how our rights came to be and the responsibilities that go along with them. Welcome, this is Kim Anderson, your host for Civics Made Simple. And in this episode, we're gonna be talking about classical forms of government. And this is really gonna start to drive home to you, the government that we see today and why our founding fathers thought it was so important to go back in history and study to create a brand new form of government that we now know simply as the United States government. And as a reminder, as we go forward, we are using the Alpha Omega Publications Civics Elective course as our outline for this study in civics. So give it up for them. Stay tuned for the episode. You're really, really going to enjoy it. Hey guys, welcome back to our video series. We continue to bring you these informational, really quick nugget type videos on civics, on American history and how it impacts your daily life. And today, I'm really kind of pumped because, you know, have you ever done something like, you know, you got into something that maybe a year ago, like you really might not have been into and now you're like this super nerdy geek thing about it? Yeah, okay, that's me. I am so into civics. I'm so into American history. I'm so, I have become like this history nerd geek person. And so tonight, today, whatever you're watching is going to be a really, really brief um, sort of history lesson on civics, on the forms of government. We're going to talk about three classical forms of government today. I want them to hopefully after watching a few of the earlier videos, these terms and things are going to be familiar to you. I think it's important that we sort of just get a base of history and understand what happened. Um, And you know the saying that, you know, once you know history, if you don't know history, you're bound to repeat it. So let's not repeat the bad things that happened in the past. So let's get started. So I've got my my lesson in my notes. And like I said, today's going to be brief. I'm going to do my best to sort of just keep it, you know, in bite-sized pieces for you. Um, But I want to talk to you about the three major forms of classic classical even ancient governments that our founding fathers actually used to create the american form of government now i know sometimes we might think you know george washington thomas jefferson john adams you know these guys were just like who mythical figures but what they really were they were also you know learned men and they wanted to take the best of the government structures that they knew up until that point combine them and create the American form of government. You realize, I mean, you guys really do realize that there's like (laughs) no other country that has our form of government. Like we're it, guys, we're it. People have tried to duplicate it. I don't even really know if they've tried to duplicate it. That's a whole other video that I'll have to do for you later about why they actually can't duplicate it. Stay tuned for that one. Okay, so let's talk about them. Here we go. Are you ready? One is, and we're, I mean, we're talking ancient, we're talking BC. We're really going to go back and come forward, okay? Um, 
one of the first things that you get and you understand and you still see this model being mimicked all around the world now is what came from the Babylonian monarchy or what's called a rule of one. One man who makes all the rules that everyone else has to abide by. That's not the best system. Um, and in ancient times, it was probably even worse. Um, there are, you know, as I'm going through this lesson, there are lots of Babylonian kings that were just complete brutal dictators in the worst form and sense of the word. And what they ended up usually doing was ruling by fear and by power, um, instituting their rules of law into people's lives and, of course, changing them at the drop of a hat. Now, we had the rise of the Babylonian Empire. I'm, just, I'm following through the notes here in the Alpha Omega Civics lesson. Um, the rise of the Babylonian Empire from 2100 to 1595 BC. Now, it's called the Golden Age of Babylon came under the reign of Hammurabi. Say that three times fast, right? Hammurabi and his dynasty. I've been trying to use the word dynastic because I like it. So the Hammurabi dynastic Babylonian Empire was from 1792 to 1595 BC. Now, the cool, cool thing about Hammurabi is what I want you to remember. This is what I want you to take. Hammurabi was one of those guys that was actually a benevolent king and he wanted to serve his people. See, serve. That's a really, really key word as far as government goes. Just, and we'll talk about that later, but mm, it's a nugget that put a pin in it and a couple future videos we'll talk about. Anyway, what Hammurabi did, and I'm just going to pull my notes a little bit closer so I can still see you and see the words. <laughs> but what Hammurabi did, he came up with what's called a Code of Hammurabi, which was a collection of civil laws designed to standardize the rights of social classes. Amazing. This was completely radical, which is why I'm talking about it in, in this year, right? I don't want to say what year we're in case, you know, you see this next year. Okay. And so what the code did was establish the punishments of criminals, define the practices of economics. Amazing. It was composed of 28 paragraphs. And this code sought to provide a consistent standard of conduct for a, a variety of vocations. It was the work of a benevolent king, a benevolent king who wanted to serve his citizens and have them thrive under his rulership. Well, that didn't last long because men had this desire to have empires. Like, what was that about? They desired to, like, rule and reign over the whole earth. Like, this one person thought, I'm going to have an empire. So what happened was, after um, the Hammurabi dynasty died out, then there came, you know, there was an invasion and wars and the ways of doing things, just they just fell away. And so from that period of time, that Babylonian monarchy, one rule sort of king evolved into what was then known and understood as a Greek democracy. Now, you know, we're starting to get closer to some of the, 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 the government systems that we are familiar with now. Now, and, and once again, these, these, these ideas of ruling in ancient times were so completely radical. It was like, everybody was like, just give me a king and let, I'll just do, do whatever the king says. But to start to give some rulership and some authority back to the people in relevance and in relation to their being a part of government, 
change. It's just like completely a radical just thought that people didn't even have. It wasn't even a concept that they even understood. So democracy starts in ancient Greece. And the word democracy even means the common people. And what's interesting about the Greek government that was started was they came up with something that was called a city-state. Does that sound familiar? Like, oh my gosh, I live in Orlando, Florida. And you might live in Baltimore, Maryland. Or you might live in Atlanta, Georgia. A city-state. That concept was started in ancient Greece. Isn't that amazing? Um, but what they found, they started this, you know, and it's sort of like it, it got traction. But what ended up happening is that there were so many little city-states. And guess what they tried to do? They tried to rule each city-state by a monarchy. They weren't quite there. They were trying to have this collective, but have it be ruled by one person. So what ended up happening was that there were so many little city-states that popped up that they weren't working with other little city-states. So guess what happened? Man's desire for an empire came, and then this city-state over here would try to overtake this city-state. Now we have a bigger city-state, but we're not talking to this city-state. And so they kept having all this infighting. They were almost there. like They were, they were starting to get it. But but that desire to rule and reign over other people, it just it just they would like take two steps forward and take three steps back. And so, um, one of the original city states in Greece, or the most popular, or the one that sort of ran the best, was also known was was in Athens. Um, and there was a ruler in Athens that the people elected. His name was Solon. S O L O N. And he wanted to give the common people a voice in their own government. Now, how amazing is that? Allowing them to participate in political assembly and the election of magistrates. And so this, this, this period of Salon was called the golden age of Greek democracy. Um, and it, it was going along really well. I'm trying to just read my notes. Hang on with me. Um, but what happened, why the Greek democracy did not work was that it too led to many monarchs. You know, there was no such thing as diplomacy and the people that were in that were voted for as magistrates weren't necessarily the most um, upstanding citizens. So they strong armed the people to voting for them and they became these many monarchs. And then they started ruling and reigning again without having a thought of what the people might want. Does that even sound remotely familiar to what is happening right now? And so, um, yeah, so they were sort of going along and it's like, this this isn't quite working. We're doing better, but this isn't quite working. And then some philosophers came around. Like you might have heard of Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, those guys, those Greek philosophers. Well, those Greek philosophers, they actually started doing some essays and writing some some critical thought pieces. And Aristotle, in his essay called Politics, warned Athens um, about the dangers of a democracy and the need to replace it with, guess what, ding, 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 a republic. And only, he said, the, a republic will provide for both the participation and protection of a citizenry. And, well, they didn't really like him and some other things happened and the democracy of Greece began to fall apart. But what did that give rise to? 
that gave rise in 753 BC to the Roman Republic. And what's a republic? Well, the republic is when you have representatives of the people. And so, but what happened in Rome, of course they got started, guess what they had? They had a king, they had a monarchy. And the people in Rome said, you know, this isn't quite working for his king. So they overthrew the king and they set up um, a republic where they transferred the power from the monarchy to the wealthy citizens. Now, classes, class systems were, were, of course, very big, but they still are, right? Um, and they called that wealthy class of people patricians. And they were represented um, by two elected consuls and by a senate. These things sounding familiar. Um, civil power was then given also to the poor class of citizens, which the Romans called plebeians. Now, the plebeians used their representation primarily through the use of one, diplomacy. We hear that entered in now. Um, assembly, and guess what? Legal process. Okay, this stuff just amazes me because it's sort of like how now we have due process. We have legal process. We're a country of laws. Why? We pulled this from the Roman Republic. Now, um, and what this, what happened? They ended up producing something called the Law of the Twelve Tables. And it was a legal document that extended the rights of the plebeians, meaning the patricians could not rule over the plebeians, say that three times fast. It gave them all a place in the government, a place in the law for both parties. And they had to work together. Diplomacy finally had come into play. And it was also crazy. Guess what else the Romans did? They even provided a process for which non-Roman citizens could become Roman citizens. They had an immigration policy. Oh my gosh! I know, right? I'll tell you guys, I'm totally nerding out about this stuff. But unfortunately, Roman, Rome, they were doing so well. Like they had it working, you know, like there was no class system according to the law. You know, you had magistrates, you had people working together, you had diplomacy, you had people following law and order until they decided they wanted to have a Roman Empire and they started going off and having wars and then somehow they forgot about the rule of law and they just wanted to, to rule by brute force and the things just began to fall away. So, what does that have to do with where we are now? You know, it's just good to know that when our founding fathers sat down to create, and you know what the, the, the law of the 12 tables reminded me of? The Bill of Rights. They got these ideas. They weren't the originators of the ideas, but they took ideas and they built upon them. And they kept building and kept building. And the form of government that we have in the States is still unrivaled anywhere in the world because of the wisdom of our founding fathers. And so that being said, I'm going to wrap it up there. But I just wanted to give you a sense of the of the real history behind who we are as American citizens. It came from the fact that that our founding fathers knew that they didn't want to have a monarchy. Ooh, that system is hard and it ends up being oppressive most times when there is a monarchy, especially if there's no additional rule of law and the people don't have a say in their own government. So I just wanted to really just get that out there for you guys today. Now, what's coming? 
let me get over here. We are going to be talking about dun da 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 drum rolls. I'm getting to my stuff. Where did it go? Where did it go? We're going to be talking about forms of government, oligarchies and theocracies, all kinds of things that us civics nerds just go crazy for, right? Um, limits of government, civil society and government. We're going to be talking about a few different things that are going to be bringing some things home to you. We're actually going to get to liberalism, republicanism, and the American Constitutional Republic. So just get crazy excited about that. So guys, thank you so much for just taking a few minutes to, to, to hear us today. We're so pleased that you're taking some time just to, to help yourself and help those around you. You know, share these videos so that people can go, who is this crazy lady that's talking about civics? But you know what? It's gonna, it, it brings them into bite-sized pieces and it helps us understand our government. And we're just going to keep going and we're going to keep growing and we're going to keep sharing this information and it is going to be a blessing to you and your family and those that you share it with. So let's get going. I will see you real soon as we post and share our next video. God bless you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Civics Made Simple. This is your host, Kim S. Anderson, inviting you to visit our site, kimsanderson.me.me, for the latest and most up-to-date information on our podcast and our store. Follow us at hashtag WeAreExceptional on Instagram and Twitter. God bless, and we'll see you next time.